Deshaun Jackson is back. We have seen our share of miracles in Eagles Giants game. Tommy Drake. Dallas Cowboys are going to take us for granted. We'll whip their ass. Looks like they're going to score. Romo, Marion Barber, inside the five. Dawkins with another hit. Hoselli Hansen. He could go all the way. 96 yards. And welcome back to the Bird's Nest podcast, powered by Filter Media. It involves your usual suspects, Wilson and Sal. I'm pleased to have you guys joining us again for the Bird's Nest. And I got some really good news today. Well, two, actually. One, it's the second day of, it's the second day of September, so you already know that Earth, Wind, and Fire is going around. And two, we finally got a sponsorship. And I got to give a big shout out to my boy, Adrian, over there at K-Town Supply Company. And if you use a special code, because well, I should backtrack. He has a little special deal going on right now. So all of my Greek followers and universities and schools tuning in, he has a special deal to where if you tap in and use code UFM, you will get 10% off your order. He has everything for the whole D9. So all of my Greek followers, if you really love this, their clothing and you want to stay fresh, you got to tap in with them. Now, without further ado, I have to introduce our special guests and quite frankly, you're the very first guest on the Burst Nest podcast. And I'm so, I'm so uh, blessed and, and so happy to be the first guest, Wilson. Thank you so much for having me on. You too as well, Sal. Uh, thank you. Absolutely. Thank you for coming. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. It's a, it's a pleasure, man. I'm, I'm, I'm excited to be here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I have to introduce you, Gary Bristle. And Gary, yes, one thing that we always ask our guests, which I feel like we got asked plenty of times before, how the hell did you become an Eagles fan? Oh, man. Um, I'd have to say it was just it's in my blood. Uh, You know, my grandfather had season tickets to Franklin Field. Um, You know, my dad, who is uh, 75 years old, has been an Eagles fan his entire life, actually played for the Eagles between 53 and 56. Um, You know, growing up as a kid, it was just something that you know, on Sundays, it, it was just all about Eagle football. And, you know, to this day, I, I have not missed a game that I, I could remember, you know, watching, you know, on television. Obviously, I live I live in South Florida, so you know, I'm not up to I'm not able to get to the link a lot. But, um, you know, I haven't missed a game in 28 years, pretty much. <laughs> mm. So it just it's in my blood, man. That's insane, because we yeah. always we always catch flack of you know, supporting teams from different states, which Correct. with which when I recall, I never knew there was a rule about designated teams and states. <laughs> I mean, it's it's something that never made sense to me. Yeah, but, you know, for you guys, it's a little different, though, because, I mean, for, you guys are actually located in the Death Star of Dallas. Especially, uh... <laughs> or Houston. I'm sorry. You guys are, yeah, I mean, you guys are in cowboy land. So it's, it's kind of funny, you know, you guys being Eagles fans in Cowboy Land, and you know, speaking with Wilson over the last couple of days, and Sal, you know, it's a pleasure to meet you finally. Um, 
speaking of to Wilson over the last couple of days before the podcast, I can really tell Wilson's a true Eagle fan, man. And, and uh, that's awesome. You know, you guys being down there in the enemy territory and uh, representing the team. Yeah. I think, you know? I think also for being here, it has a little more fun to it because, you know, it's always fun to just rub some salt yeah. and for them down here. <laughs> Walking through the grocery store with your jersey on is definitely exactly. fun. on Sundays. Yep. <laughs> yep. It's literally a life or death situation, not to mention family reunions. That's when uh, that's when sparks extremely fly. Like that's when it's that's when all. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure. So, so your entire family's Cowboys fans, I'm guessing. Right. Basically, from my dad to, you know, my uncles and aunts, like the whole fleet is all Cowboys fans. So, wow. Yeah, no, I wouldn't be able to sit in that household while Cowboys Eagles are on. (laughs) <laughs> I'm yeah, I'd have to lock myself up in the room. I wouldn't be able to be around uh, Cowboys fans during that game. Yeah, I'm lucky enough that my dad's side is not co- aren't Cowboy fans really, so I got a little break there. My mom's side, all Cowboys fans, but my dad's side, nah. So that's why I got some leeway. So there you go. That's awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. That's and, awesome. And we have a lot to touch on today from the end of the training camp, the approaching week one, and. The first thing I want to tackle first is Bishop Sycamore. It's been <laughs> it's, it's some things and it's something is that news that you just never really seen before. And these are one of these moments. Like I never heard of a farce or a spectacle such as this. I mean, we're talking about a team that literally scammed ESPN to be nationally televised against ING Academy and kind of find out they don't even have a real roster. That, those yeah, it's cool, let alone <laughs> does not building. Yeah, does that do, do you guys leave that to that the fact that ESPN is kind of on the downfall that they would even allow that to happen? I, I mean, I know they third party their sources for the high school football games, but you know, is it coming to the point where ESPN is no longer the you know hub of sports really at this point in time? You know, like. You know, back in the day, Sports Center was everything. There was no NFL Network. There was no NBA TV. There was, you know, it, it, it was everything was ESPN. Now it's kind of like ESPN's kind of falling off the map. They're doing the whole ESPN Plus. You know, for them to even allow that to happen kind of shows this where ESPN's at. You know, at this current moment. It's funny that you said that because I was looking at um while I was conducting research on the company one time, and it was around the middle of the pandemic or so literally the viewership has decreased by 60 percent and even before that it decreased by 30 so it slowly trickled up as the years went on so yeah espn is more <laughs> desperate also, to find that viewership i think I mean, with like leagues and um teams getting a lot of their own network deals and stuff cutting into espn because i mean i know for example i got espn plus you can't watch any nba games and it's kind of disappointing because like, exactly you can't even exactly see Mm-hmm. Exactly. And not even that, what you what you just said, Wilson. I mean, look at the amount of talent that they've let walk out of the door. I mean, Max Keller, not that I'm a huge fan of Max Kellerman because I'm really not. Uh, <laughs> Max Kellerman just left ESPN. You know, a lot of their big time writers are leaving ESPN. It's like it, you can see that there's it's starting to become more of a transition to where you're you're either starting your own thing on Twitter and you know you're blowing up through Twitter and you're you're starting your own organization or you're going to a different you know outlet like NFL network or you know like NBA TV or anything like that. Um, and even NBC man when it comes to Sunday I, I tell you what Sunday night football 
you know, it used to be back in the day, you know, growing up, Monday Night Football was a huge deal to me. Monday Night Football has been horrid for the last, you know, oh, 10, yeah. you know, 10 years almost. I, you know, and Sunday Night Football outperforms them every, every, every season. Mm-hmm. You know, so I just, I think, I think ESPN's kind of tiltering at this point in time. Yeah. One thing I will say about ESPN, really, as far as the downgrade, is the simple fact of they're losing authenticity. I mean, why, of do you, why do you think podcast YouTubers, they're all blowing up at a at an extreme rate? Because we carry authenticity. We speak facts. Yep. Something yep. ESPN is losing throughout the years because they're worried about getting clicks and getting views. And they're very biased. As yeah, well. I was about to say, I feel like definitely in most sports, big market bias. Um, popular teams, just like popular athletes, they get like all the coverage. So, I mean, if you're a fan for a team that's not really doing well, or like just an athlete that's not really, you popular, won't get coverage of it. Yeah, yeah, you you're, you're not. Your team's not going to get covered. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. it's, it's simple as that. I totally agree with you, Sal. I mean, I I think Sal made a great point there. It's uh, if you're you know a team like the let's just say the Dolphins or the Jaguars, you're not getting covered on ESPN. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know they're they're not bringing you up. I mean. The Jaguars now, obviously, with Trevor Lawrence being the quarterback, yeah, there's been some news. But it's not, you know, every team that's always in the news, the Cowboys, the Patriots, you know, the Packers, it's – they're very biased to sorting teams, and and I totally agree with what Sal just said. I mean, I think you can kind of see it, too, like happening just right now with, like, the Buccaneers. I mean, no one – come on. Like, before Tom Brady arrived in Tampa, you weren't hearing stories about coming out of Tampa Bay much until – Tampa until Tom Brady comes to Tampa. Now all you hear is stories about Tampa. All you hear is everything coming out of Tampa with Tom Brady there. So yeah, it's it's more of like a hot top. They're they're trying to follow the hot topic, which is again. I mean, I understand it from you know television point of view, but how many times can you talk about the Lakers? How many times can you talk about the Bucks? It it kind of just it's it's almost like rinse, wash, repeat with them. Exactly. It's, it's no new content. It's it, it's dried up, man. It really is. It's all stale, which makes this Bishop Sycamore story even more shocking because if you really dig deep into this team and found out and find out what they've been through, it's very, very shocking. I mean, there was I, I can't one. believe I mean, I can't even believe what is what has come out even over the last couple of days with the coach being fired, um, him having an arrest warrant out. Um, that was wild it, for me. Like, yeah, I mean, that's, a cra- <laughs> that's crazy right there. The thing that got um, me the most is those guys literally have to sleep on the floor of a hotel. And once they stay for five weeks, they have to literally rob a Walmart and a Kroger just to eat. Yeah, so, yep. stealing food. It, it's, un- it's unreal. Pretty interesting, too. I don't know if y'all have heard, but um, the quarterback of the team came out and is actually, like, denying it completely. And he's just, like, saying, like, everything that was made up was, like, falsified. And uh, he was, like, claiming – I think he said he's, like, only 19, but that's because his classes were delayed. So that's why he's 19, because he hasn't graduated, because COVID delayed classes or such. So, I mean, Okay, let's be, okay well, well, here's the thing. You can't even say that because the address for the school is a public library in the city of Columbus, Ohio. Exactly. That's what I was like. I was like – You know, like, <laughs> be real with yourself. It, it's a scam. I mean, one of the dudes was, I, I believe, in his – you know – late 20s yeah no, that was, you know like junior college uh star or athletes that just didn't make it so yeah exactly and you're playing against high school kids and you still are getting <laughs> you know demolished 
it's it's just one of, <laughs> it's just one of those things you just laugh and shake your head at and you just gotta feel bad for the kids i mean there was one interview that andre robinson the school director that it was one interview he conducted where he claimed that he has a son enrolled in the program that's the crazy yes that's a crazy that's a yes so I, that's a crazy story so we emphasize how is this school is a, how is this school a scam because i have my own son enrolled that means i'll be scamming myself so you you obviously are scamming yourself and you're obviously hurting your kid. <laughs> I mean, that's just the bottom. I mean, that's the bottom line. It's the truth. If you know, you have no facility, it's an online school, which if that's what, if that's even, if that's even real, they're, they're claiming that's an online school, which who knows if that's even the truth. Um, you know, they're using a rec center as their address for the school. So there are no facilities. There's no school. You know, like you said, the kids are sleeping on hotel like floors, stealing food from the, the local grocery stores. It's it, it's one of the weirdest stories that you're ever going to see in, in sports. And then to make matters worse, it's like the football team themselves, like what's obviously this is centered around. There was rumors going around for people who were at the games that like the football team didn't even have like the full equipment. They were sharing helmets. If you look at some pictures, like their face masks and colors don't even match. Yep. So you're playing an ill-equipped team too. You're fielding a team that's not even equipped properly. And like yep. that's apparently what this whole scam is like centered around. So like the the purpose of the scam is not even working itself. Like how are you gonna I, mean, I saw one kid with half a logo on his helmet, and then yeah. he was the only one with the logo on his helmet, and then the other kid had a different color jersey on. Mm. <laughs> They were sharing, I just don't even how you, equipment how you allow that to happen <laughs> is the real question. How does that how does that even really come forth and allow that to become a thing where ESPN and again, ESPN, yes, it's a third party party that gives them the high school football games. But come on, man, that's just lazy research. Like, yeah, you know, at, at some point, the commentator said we have a guy down that we don't even have on the official roster that we were given. Yeah, you know, the commentators didn't even know who were on the field. If you so, look at that roster sheet that they got, it was literally just players' names, but they wouldn't even have positions listed for them. They so, were lying. They changed the players' names to actual D one prospects. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, it, yeah, that that's one of the craziest stories in sports that that will ever go down. And when I did more digging on the school. I found out those three guys involved, Johnson, Robertson, and there's this one guy that appears on TV. I can't think of his name at this moment, but they had a school called Home Christian, I believe, back in 2018. Oh, I think I've was, heard about that. Yes, I've heard of this. Yes. It was a scheme that they tried before. So Bishop Sycamore is practically a rerun. Yeah. So <laughs> is that – okay, so did they, did they just take that and renamed it Bishop Sycamore? It's a completely different school, I think, or school – um, okay. They, okay. Yeah, it was in a different town, I believe, too. They just moved towns, tried the whole scheme again. And I mean, here we are now. I think, if anything, they got a little bit more success being on ESPN now. Uh, I mean, getting to play IMG, which is the best high school program in in the you know in the country, and getting blown out the way you got blown out. Well, actually, so they were scheduled for six more games. All those games have been canceled, obviously. Um which I don't think they'll ever play another game of football. I don't even know how you would allow it, to be honest. I don't, I don't see how it's legal. I'm sure there's going to be some sort of legal ramifications against whoever is supposedly the administrator of the school. So It's yeah. wild that apparently they had played already like two or three games before they even yeah. got to IMG. Mm -hmm. And then yep. like 
that Tuesday before they played IMG, they had got a game. They had just played a game, and they actually got murdered that game too. So kind of wild how none of this came up before it even got scheduled or, like, you know, came on ESPN. So Don't you think the third-party company should look at the record and be like, hey, maybe this is not a good idea to pair them up with IMG and put it out to ESPN for them to air it on a – you know, that was the main broadcast on Friday night on ESPN's main channel. It wasn't ESPN2. You know, it was ESPN. <laughs> That you was would, the main broadcast. You would think they so, would do more research, but what's exactly just, what's so crazy about that is like this could have went so far left, even more left than what we're already finding out. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you guys saw the pregame hype videos, but I think one of the assistant assistant coaches was talking to the players, and he was saying, "If you're not ready to kill, if you're not ready to take a life, you better mask up and get on because it's a stick up." And I'm yep. like, dude, it's 24, 25 year olds on this team. If they started whooping IMG and they looked at that footage, that's a felony. <laughs> oh, I, I mean, no, yeah, no, no doubt about it. I think the only reason why charges haven't been pressed to begin with is the fact that, let's put it like this IMG does have underage children playing on that team. Mm-hmm. Correct? Yeah. So, you know, they're playing against people who are, uh, you know, the, the legal age of an adult. Uh, that right there is is a crime, <laughs> you know? And I think the only reason why there hasn't been more legal action is because IMG kicked the shit out of them. Exactly. Yeah. It's, still- so, it's honestly kind of just, like, dumbfounding that a team full of, like, 20-year-olds can't, you know, even put up a couple of points against... I mean, I, I know, like, their talent this is the number one team in the nation, but I'm, you're talking about, like, 20-year-olds against, like you said, underage kids. I mean... There's a reason why whenever, like, a kid in a high school, if he's, like, below senior and he makes varsity, it's a big deal because, you know, playing with people in that, in that you know, group at that age, just anyone, a small difference in, like, size and age is, you know, a big advantage most of the time, you know? So it's just wild that 20-year-olds can't even – above 20-year-olds can't even, you know, put up a couple of points against them. I mean, that also, though, tells you, like, you know, the scale of IMG and just how good that team is in. But, Sal, let me ask you, let me ask you a question and just to follow up on that. Do you believe that these kids had any talent at all, or was it just some somebody who wanted to put together a football team, pretty much put out an advertisement saying, hey, you want to come play football? You don't want to do any schoolwork? Let's come to Bishop Sycamore, and, and you could just play football, do whatever you want. I mean, was there really any true talent on that? I mean, didn't the kid – I have the stat here. The kid threw six interceptions, and I, I believe in the first half, or no, the, the entire, I'm sorry, the entire game was six interceptions. I apologize about that. Um, playing at quarterback for Bishop Sycamore. It's, it, I just don't believe that there was any true talent. I, I mean, IMG just dominated them. Mm. It was like Bama against an FA, you know, FAMU or, or Appalachian State or, you know, something like that. It was just bad. Yeah, but you know? I mean, on top of that, though, I think it's not even that it's just IMG too, though. It's just the schools that they played too, which means they had played multiple, they had played other schools that were, you know, below their age. And Correct. Yeah. They also got shut out against those teams. So it's just like, I'm still what even thinking. Ta- yeah, what real talent was really there? Yeah, it's just like. It's a yep, note to, I agree with you. Absolutely. It's a note to self to ESPN and any major, major sports network that want to host a game. You have to do your research. If you look at practice filming, you see trees right next to the 50-yard line. I mean, what, what do you consider that? Isn't that your job? 
Isn't isn't that what their job description is? I mean, I think. <laughs> I mean, you're getting paid money to do your job. I mean, you know, Belichick says says it all the time. Do your job. If you don't do your job, you're going to get fired. And I'm sure there's going to be people who are going to lose their job over this. I feel like it's going to be mostly interns and actual actual people in the office because that sounds like a job of an intern. I mean, think about I, it. Now, let me ask you a question. I don't see how ESPN does not end up suing the third-party company. I, I, I really would be shocked if ESPN doesn't come out and try to file some sort of legal action against the third-party company. Maybe the third-party company was the one doing all the research, and they just like fed it to ESPN, like, "Hey, yeah, these guys are good. Put them on, you know, put them on air. Don't don't worry about it." But still, even as a major, major, major broadcasting station as ESPN is, just do a little bit of research. Right, right. You know, just do a little bit of research. Kind of find out they do this to almost every college game. I mean, not every college, every high school game that they have. Like they yes, with, yes with a third party. Yeah. Yeah, they never yep. conduct real research. So it's something that ESPN has to improve on if they want to. Correct. Because it's, Correct. it's starting to become a major joke. So shout out, for, shout out to Bishop Sycamore to put in the true meaning into the acronym BS. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> moving on. <laughs> so let's go to the Eagles side now. There's been yes, a lot sir. of things happening with the gang. You know, we just acquired Garner Minshew for a fifth or a sixth round pick. It was a, it's a sixth conditional fifth. Sixth conditional fifth, right. And that increases the quarterback room. And you know how he is with quarterbacks. He wants to have that room filled. So Quarterback factory, baby. <laughs> I hope it doesn't continue. I just really <laughs> But what are your uh, thoughts about Garner Mitchell in that pickup? Uh, listen, I'm, 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 I'm okay with it. I think, I think the league knows – or I think the league knew that Cam probably was going to end up getting cut from the Patriots. And let's be real, Cam Newton at this stage in time is not going to be a starter for a team, um, you know, unless somebody gets hurt. Um, I I honestly would have thought that you should have waited for Cam. I, I would take Cam Newton over Gardner Minshew. Hmm. I, you know, I would have signed him as a free agent. I, you know, that, that news had to be coming down the pipeline. Everybody knew Mac Jones was going to start week one, especially after the Eagles game. And you keep the pick yeah, and you, you wait for Cam too. So, I mean, I, I would have waited. I would have waited to see how the waiver wires played out and how the cuts were made before you hand over a six conditional fifth. That's just my thought process on it. It would have been a nice addition to have Cam because my personal feelings, I mean, I'm, but all the times I watch football, I really admired Cam's game. The way he ran. The Absolutely. Way he football, like, I I respected his athleticism. And even at this stage of his career now, I still don't see 30, 32 quarterbacks better than him. I still consider him better than a Fitzpatrick. I still consider him better than a Daniel Jones. So I, I really, really hope Cam Newton finds a job somewhere. But for the Eagles-wise, I feel like Minshew was a really underrated pick. Cause you got oh, I, I, no, I, no. I'm I'm not bashing Minshew at all. I'm, I'm very happy about the Minshew grab. I think that solidifies the quarterback room to begin with. Because you know, at the end of the day, they do have him listed at the third quarterback. But the way the offense is going to be ran, I mean, it's it's looking like it's going to be a, a very heavy RPO offense with a lot of you know exotic run plays and, and everything like that. 
Mm-hmm. You know, Flacco can't move. Mm-hmm. Minshew can. You know, Minshew does have legs. So at the end of the day, if Hertz goes down, would you really want Flacco to go in there? Or are you looking to say, hey, you know what? Minshew could run the offense that Jalen that they designed for Jalen Hurts. He can. And I feel exactly. like this is a similar system that they had in Jacksonville. That one year that he started for Jacksonville, he was actually not that bad. He threw for 21 touchdowns, I believe, on six. So yep. he was still solid. Yeah. So do y'all think that Flacco was like preseason performances also had a thing to play with this? Because I mean he kind of just Stuck it up in the preseason too. So I mean, like, do you think you know they also looked at that too? I think I think it's I think it's a dead money sow. I think I to be honest with you, I just read I did this before we got on here. If the Eagles were to release Flacco now, it would be three point four million against the cap, no matter what. Um, Even if they were to trade him, uh, I, I honestly think that's the only reason why he made the team. Uh, I don't see anything. I, I mean, his arm is dead. You're talking about a 14-year vet. How far can he really push the ball still down the field? You saw it happen with Breeze last year. I mean, Brady is just a specimen. I, you know, you you don't get a lot of Brady. I don't think you've ever had a Brady um, before. <laughs> you know, and again, I I, I would rather. Wouldn't you rather have Jalen Hurts, Cam Newton, Gardner Minshew? Mm-hmm. Wouldn't that make it easy? Yes. <laughs> you know that that sounds a lot nicer than Jalen Hurts, Joe Flacco, Gardner Minshew. That would actually be a really fun quarterback room because the importance of a quarterback room, and I say this from high school and yeah, high school too. You got to have those guys around you to support you. If you throw like a bad pick, have a nasty completion, you want to sit on the bench and have somebody encourage you. And having somebody like a Cam or Garner Minshew on your sideline, those are great guys to to be around. I think also like if you bring in Cam, there, I think I'll just bring in Eagles background. <laughs> you tried. That, be an omen of the last season. Season. I hope it's not. <laughs> but also, I think in the case of you bring in Cam, you're going to get like that experience that Cam brings too to teach Jalen and also the younger quarterbacks in that room too. So I mean, Cam made a Super Bowl. Like Cam has experience in getting things done. Like he can bring a lot of valuable, just like. You know, just his knowledge of the game, how how he's been in situations. You know, he's been in high pressure situations that we've yet to see with Jalen because I mean, he just hasn't got there yet. So I mean, Agreed. he's going to bring in a lot of knowledge that he can share with quarterbacks. You know, so and not even like, that. Um, and not even that. Cam Newton did comment on Jalen Hurts' play during the joint practices, and he says he sees a lot of uh, himself in Jalen, and he thinks that Jalen's going to have a very successful year. Um, Tony Romo's come out and said that Jalen's going to have a very successful year. I, 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 you know, I think people, I, the thing that I like about Cam Newton is that, you know, this guy can still play football. Mm-hmm. It's not like he's out of gas. It's not like he can't throw the ball. It's not like he's, you know, listen, the Patriots system is an extremely hard system to, to understand. Right. And you saw that with every receiver that they signed besides Randy Moss could not catch on to the system. You know, uh, Brady pretty much, you know, we're going to find out this year with Mac Jones, who, I, I mean, he's a rookie. He is going to struggle, but can he c- comprehend this Patriot system that obviously seems to be a little bit more complicated than other offensive systems in the league? Honestly, in my opinion, Matt Jones could be the perfect robot for Belichick. I mean, think about it. Like Gary said about the offense, 
It's complicated for receivers, but for quarterbacks, you can only do one simple thing, and that's throw checkdowns. Because one one criticism that Brady had towards his last few years in New England is that his arm was dead. He was literally only throwing checkdowns. Yeah. Reality, well, for number one, his receivers weren't that talented. I mean, let's be. Yeah, I was gonna. I was just gonna say, do you think that had something to do with wide receiver depth? I I I would lead that more to wide receiver depth than actual Brady, um, gassing out on his arm. Exactly. You saw a lot of great throws from Brady last year to, you know, Evans down the sideline, Godwin down the sideline. You know, I, I still feel like Brady can push it 40, 50 yards if he has to. He can, absolutely. And I think, you no, know, I think that talent that he was surrounded by in New England just shadowed that because I remember he was throwing deep bombs to Scotty Miller last year. So it, dude, it was Edelman and that was it. Mm-hmm. You know, it was Edelman. And, and even in that last, in the last, in Brady's last game where he threw the pick six against the Titans, you could kind of tell right then and there, Brady's like, "Yeah, I, I got to get out of here because there's not there's not enough, you know, firepower on that that offense. They don't they don't believe in drafting wide receivers. It's it was almost like a little bit eagle esh, you know. We didn't believe in drafting receivers until you know the last obviously the last three years, three four years with Nelson Aguilar, you know." Uh, Devontae Smith, obviously, has recently (laughs) Jalen Rager, you know, but before that, we weren't heavy receiver uh, team. We Mm -hmm. weren't a guy. We weren't a team to take receivers in the first round. It was always offense or defensive line that we went first round, you know. So I just think he saw that there was no there was no talent on that team. There was no reason for Brady to return. Yeah, Mm -hmm. going off what you said too. Even back then, in Adam and McNabbiers, he barely had talented receivers. His best receiver, <laughs> James Thrash and Todd Pinkston. Mm-hmm. And don't forget Fred X, Freddie Mitchell. Oh, Fred, yeah, dude. <laughs> I got listen, I gotta send you a picture. So I was up there the last time the fans were allowed in the uh to tailgate. I think it was the uh 2018 season. Mm-hmm. And it was me, my dad, my brother, and my brother-in-law. And my brother-in-law was a Patriots fan. It was when the Patriots were at the link. And we're just walking around the tailgate, having a great time. And we were taking a group picture. All of a sudden, Freddie Mitchell says, hey, can I jump in the picture? Oh, wow. I was like, yeah, yeah, come on. <laughs> so that's my that's actually my Twitter profile picture is uh, me and my family hang, having a picture with Freddie Mitchell, which is one of the coolest wow. experiences of my life. Dang, I could. Wow. I could tell. That yeah, works. I do. I was like, I couldn't. And my my dad comes up to me. He goes, "Who was that?" I said, "Dad, that was that's Freddie Mitchell." He goes, "Get the fuck out of here! That's not Freddie Mitchell." <laughs> <laughs> I said, "No, that's Freddie Mitchell. He just jumped on the podcast <laughs> or the the podcast. Just jumped in the photo." Mm-hmm. So that is super good old Freddie Mitchell. See, if I had a chance to meet one eagle, I would. Well, two rather. It would be Brian Dawkins. Dawkins. Mm-hmm. I got to be Dawkins and. People say TL's not a true eagle. He's he's an eagle in my eyes. Those two years, he embraced the franchise like no other. Like it just him he, and the together. That's really yeah. Cool. I think even after his after his retirement, he's come on Philadelphia Sports Radio. He's been talking about Eagles a lot. Um, I know he he goes on at least once a month on 97.5 and talks Eagles with the uh the afternoon drive show. So, you know, he 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 obviously loved the team. There was just too much drama between him and McNabb. It was never going to work out. McNabb was a selfish person. 
You could see it in his eyes. If it wasn't about McNabb, it, you weren't going to be on the team. And that's why the receiving core sucked the, the, the entire, you know, his entire career. Mm. Because he couldn't have a diva on the team because he had to be the diva. Exactly. But even then, you know, he still carried us to several NFC championships. And absolutely. Donovan McNabb is the greatest sad. quarterback in Eagles history. Facts. Facts. I would, I, I, I'll never deny that. Donovan McNabb is the greatest quarterback in Eagles history. Um, you know, do I for do I give him a pass for puking in the Super Bowl and drinking the night before? No, I don't. Um, but you know, the, you know, the past is the past. But I, I, listen, I love I love number five. I think five will will forever be the the greatest quarterback in Eagles history, unless Jalen, you know, unless Jalen goes off and takes us to Super Bowls, then we we have a different conversation. <laughs> and I do want to touch on Jalen on Jalen Hurts and Devontae Smith later on because I'm glad you mentioned that. Yes. Yeah. But right are we now, gonna go do you guys want to go through the the, uh, the roster cuts or, or yeah, I was, just, I was just about to pull it up the roster cuts because this is something yeah. that has been that's kind of divided the fan club as we know it. The people that are cut are Andrew Adams, LaRaven Clark, Jordan Howard, Hassan Ridgeway. Richard Rodgers, which I'm kind of shocked about. I'm not even gonna lie to you, Kevin. C. They didn't even they didn't even bring him back, which is the sh- they, which is even the more shocking part. At least Jordan Howard and and Fulgham have returned to the team on the practice squad. Exactly, it's very it's something that's really shocking to me because Rodgers really stepped up when everybody went down. When Ertz was hurt, when Dallas when Dallas God was out a few games, he was the one getting a lot of targets. So, Listen, man, he, he was a great receiving tight end. He was good in blocking. He could, you know, he had great yak. Um, I, I really liked Richard Rodgers' game last year. And I, I, but I think you saw a lot of out of Tyree Jackson during the preseason to the point where this kid might actually be a freak of nature. And then you got that kid, Jack Stahl, out of Nebraska, who was a undrafted free agent. Um, just watch a little bit of tape on this guy. He reminds me a lot, and I know this is going to sound ludicrous, but reminds me a lot of George Kittle. He has that, I'm just going to run you over and there's nothing you're going to do about it kind of thing. Mm. And he is pretty big. And he made the 53-man roster over a lot of other guys that didn't. Travis Fulgham, John Hightower, Jordan Howard. You know, so. It's really like, it's. It's really shocking, too, especially the Fulgham one. And Gary and I talked about this a few days ago, too. It was a decision of keeping our Sega Weiss on the 53-man roster or cutting Fulgham. I feel like how he kept our Sega Weiss eye is because he wants to have a pissing contest with the fans because that's the guy that he picked over DK Metcalf. It's an uh, ego thing. Exactly. He's an egomaniac. Exactly. He just wants to prove that, oh, this is the right decision I made. He's going to be a talented receiver for us because he really hyped him up as being the upper echelon of that receiver class for that draft class. So it's it's just one of those things where Howie just doesn't want to accept reality. I mean, we're talking about but, a guy. But that's... also, real quick, Wilson, I want to just jump in real quick. Yeah, let's, yeah. let's not get this wrong. Travis Fulgham had a horrible training camp, and he had a horrible preseason. Mm-hmm. So, I, I mean, it does justify where he – Yes, he did have four weeks of wonderful football and carry that team for the four weeks. But then again, he disappeared. It got it got in his head. It, you know, supposedly there was a lot of immaturity with him when he's when he found out that Alshon was coming back. 
And I still think it's an immaturity thing. You know, they did bring him back to the practice squad. He's on the practice squad now. But the Arcega-Whiteside thing is almost like, are you valuing the fact that he is a good special teams player, which he is. I'll give him credit for that. And he is a good run blocker. Right. But his special team is going to win games for us at the end of the day. No. That's the big issue. I mean, no. I mean, Arcega Whiteside only had 14 receptions last year. The year before that, I believe it was around the 20s, I believe. I have to check again. But he hasn't really shown any significant production for us. So, so you said 14, you said 14 yeah, receptions yeah, last 20, year, right? Yeah, 14, 10 and uh, yeah, 10 and 19. <laughs> 10 and okay, 19. so you, oh, you got you, you said 14 receptions <laughs> last year? Last year, yes. Okay, so Travis Fulgham had 13 receptions in the Pittsburgh game alone. Mm. Last year. This is a game or last year? Last year in the Pittsburgh game. <sighs> See, it's it's just one of those things, man, because it's – for training camp, I understand that is an important showing, but you got to understand value at the same time. There was a exactly. stretch where Fogel went on where people compared him to Randy Moss. Actually, Whiteside only had four receptions last year. Okay. Oh, the proof might point even more. <laughs> so, <laughs> Uh, <laughs> no, I think listen, listen. I think honestly, it should have been the other way around. I think Fulgham should have made the fifty-three. You cut wide, white side, and you put white side on the practice squad, which could still happen. You know, it, it we're still a week in, a week away from football here, guys. I know it, it seems like it's a fraternity. You know, it's going to take forever to get there, but you know, we're only a week away. I would be shocked if our Sega White Side finishes the season on the fifty-three. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd be shocked. <laughs> I think we actually talked about the first week, right? We don't think I don't think our Sega White side has much longer on the Eagles. Hmm. Not at all. And I also want to touch on John Hightower because that's one player that's equally shown flashes of becoming a competent receiver, but he also shown flashes of he has butterfingers. You know, they well, was- well, they also brought yeah. I'm looking at the the practice squad now. They brought John Hightower back on the practice squad. Showed flashes last year. Has the speed. I just I think again it's a it's a young maturity thing where, you know I think these kids are afraid of getting hit nowadays. Mm. You know I think that's the problem with Rager as well. I think Rager got you know, I think Rager's a little bit timid of getting hit, and it shows in his game. You know, he's always quick to find the out of bounds. I think that goes also to like the college game nowadays. Very speed yes. oriented. Like wide receivers are protected. You have you know air raid offenses that are all about pushing the ball down. And these kids growing, you know, coming out of college are not used to getting mm-hmm. hit or contested as much as they used to back then. You know, like the game has changed a lot in college, and you come Absolutely. to the NFL where it's physical, and you don't have that protection as much as you do in college. Where you know you also on, on top of that, you have to make the more difficult two foot catch. Like it's just and going and going over the middle, you have to be able to go over the middle. Mm-hmm. Exactly. You know, you have to you have to have some sort of cojones to go over the middle, man. And you know you're going to get lit up. But I think that's what Devontae Smith is not afraid of. I think Devontae Smith showed in especially last year. You know, in his last season at, at Bama, this kid is not scared of anything. Mm-hmm. You know, he's not scared to go over the middle. If exactly. he's going to get hit, he's going to get hit. It is what it is. Yeah, and a so little. I have a lot of faith in Slim Reaper. Oh yeah, facts. And I'm gonna get a T-shirt of that nickname too, because that's badass. But alluding to, <laughs> I love that T-shirt. Yeah, alluding to what Sal was getting at, 
a lot of kids are afraid nowadays of getting hit. I mean, you know, in college, there's a usual air races on people running go routes, people going post. You you got you might have to go slanting out routes back to back plays in the NFL. Like it's gonna be short range passes and catches that you're gonna have to make, and you're gonna have to take that big slug from the defender. What about the drags? What about the drags underneath over the middle? I mean, you're gonna hit you're you're gonna get hit by a linebacker that weighs 250 pounds, and he's gonna come and hit you. You know, you have to get that mentality out of your head. And I think I think Rager. Yes, Rager has has. Shot. I think Rager had a great preseason. Uh, not, I'm not gonna say great preseason games. I think Rager had a great training camp. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to actual live contact, I think there's something in his head that kind of shakes him a little bit. I think he's a little scared of getting hit, and it's it's almost reminding me of Nelson Aguilar. Now he, I could be completely wrong, and I and I hope I am. <laughs> you know, I would love to have Jalen Rager blow up. I would love to have the you know him and Devontae Smith, you know, as two great options at receiver, but we, we're gonna have to wait and see. And yeah, I mean, definitely could be that. I mean, no, knowing Jalen coming out of TCU because I've seen some a lot of TCU football myself, and they run that air raid offense. You know, they don't run yep. where those receivers get that much you know physical contact. So you know, yeah, that's all his college years. He's not out here getting physical contact like he's gonna get in the NFL. So could be a head Correct. thing. Too, just worried about that. Correct. Facts. And one thing I'm definitely not worried about, Rager, is alluding to Aguilar, too, is his hands. I mean, Aguilar at one point was Mr. Butterfingers. Rager, he literally snagged that one-handed catch in training camp against, I want to say it was a Jets joint practice. Oh, my God. Jets, yeah. I still can't but, get on my head. But, again, that's what, I'm, that's what I'm getting at. Yes, he he flashes in, in, in practices, but when it comes to the lights and being in live situations and full hitting – you know, Rager had a drop in the Patriots game. That Flacco threw a great ball, and Rager just went right through his hands. Mm-hmm. Now, he did redeem himself on the next play and had a beautiful out route and, and looked great on that cut. So, you know, but listen, I hope I, – I really do hope Jalen Rager has a great year this year. I, we need it. We need all the offensive firepower that we can have, especially with that I think this offense is going to look completely different than anything we've seen. Uh, in, in Philadelphia. Right. And I do want to pose this question to you guys because it was something I kind of thought about for the past few days. With us having such a young receiving core and all the guys were, all the guys returning, you think about Greg Ward that caught around 50, I want to say 52 passes. You have Rager. He played a few games, but he, kept, he caught 31. It was just a lot of guys that's coming back that never really had those touches before. Do you think we need a veteran wide receiver in the fold? Alshon Jeffrey's a free agent. Uh, other than I, okay. So I mean, are we okay? Let's. Uh, and I'm gonna ask. Let, let me ask Sal this question, Sal. Your expectations for this year, are you in rebuild mode or are you win now mode? Um, I'm still honestly kind of rebuild. Let's take, you know, take some time to settle things out. I don't think we have the, you know, the tools yet to win now. We still got to get, like, we still got to get some experience and stuff under our belt. I mean, I think it's a little, it's buying too much to chew to go out there and be like, all right, win now. Like we, we got to get to playoffs. We got to go far. Like, I think we got to like, at least set expectations a little well. Like, uh, like I told Wilson in the first podcast, I don't think we got to set them to the, bottom of the floor and be like okay like you know let's go lose some games like 
we're, we're not good. Like, but definitely like um, to say like win now, like expect, you know, division championship or division, you know, titles and stuff like right now. No, it's, it's not, it's too much. I, mean, I think we got to ease up a little bit and still like get, get a little experience with the squad, make sure they get to know each other a little bit more. Cause like, you know, this is, these are players who haven't had that time together yet on the field. And I think we definitely just yeah, need more like, experience reps, get the offense under control and everything before we go out there expecting to win a lot more than what we have. So, Wilson, same question, same, Wilson, same, Wilson, same question for you. Are you in win-now mode or are you in rebuild mode? I mean, I feel like it would be unwise to be in win-now mode. I mean, think about it. A couple of years ago, we were one of the oldest teams in the NFL. Now we're switched back to the top five youngest. So, of course, we're going to be in rebuild mode right now. But okay. fans – We'll get caught up in that fantasy of, oh, Jalen Hurts and Devontae Smith, they're going to tear up the entire league, which I pray and hope they do. You yeah. Gotta realize these guys are still young. They still got to get acclimated to the game. So it's going to be a lot of adjusting exactly. that's going to have to go on. So I'm still kind of in rebuild right now. So you so the, so the reason why I asked that question is because you just said, should we add a veteran wide receiver to the team? Mm-hmm. I say no. Let the young kids play. If we're in a rebuild mode now, Let's see. Let's get these kids as many reps as possible in live games, and let them play the season. And if we're if we're not in win now mode, then there's no reason to add a veteran receiver because mm-hmm. it's just going to take away snaps from Reger. It's going to take away snaps from Devonte. It's going to take away snaps from uh, you know uh, uh, you know Quez Watkins, mm-hmm. which. You know, I don't think is the right th- thing to do. I think you got to let these young kids play, get them as many snaps as possible, and see who they are. Because right. come next year, if Rager is a bust, if Watkins is a bust, you're looking for two new receivers again. Mm-hmm. I think also, you know, there's also the issue of the chemistry thing because you know, right now our wide receiver rooms looking very, you know, they're bonding a lot, they're liking each other. Bringing yep. a veteran, you don't know what mindset he could have. You don't know what he could tell them, what he could upset them with. He might do more harm in the long run than positive with, you know, coming in with the attitude that he knows more than these wide receivers. So you also have that running chemistry in that room. I would be okay with a vet receiver. I would be okay with a vet receiver that is somebody who is not going to play multiple snaps. Right. That has knowledge of the game. He's going to come in there. He may get five to 10 snaps a game and is a good locker room present. And that's the only okay i would be with with a vet receiver in the team exactly yeah i had to pose that question because i was watching um some eagles fans youtube and he posed it and that just had me thinking a little bit but yeah it's it's wiser to stay younger because like absolutely get the guys more snaps get them used to the physicality and then by one or two years we'll be back on top again hey listen don't doubt this team, though. I, I, I mean, there's a lot of people that, that are doubting this team. I saw Colin, Colin Coward say we're going to go 3-15. and 15. I can tell you right now, this team will be in contention in November and December for the NFC East Championship. I, I just don't see it how, you know, me and Wilson said this a couple of days ago on the phone. What do the other three teams bring that the Eagles don't? I mean, you're getting an offensive line back that is one of the best offensive lines in the league. You have a running back who is at least who is considered a top ten running back. You have two tight ends who are top two top ten tight ends in the league. Mm-hmm. You have a Heisman Trophy winner who looks like he's not going to be coverable. 
Um, and you got a kid in Jalen Hurts who, if he, all he can do is maintain the game and not turn over the ball and get the ball into playmaker's hands, you're going to be successful on offense. Now, the defense, I have some concerns about linebacker-wise. I don't think they're strong at linebacker. I like Alex Singerton. I like Eric Wilson. I don't know how much more depth you have besides TJ Edwards. Um, you know, and, and let's be real, guys. I mean, there's a reason why Steven Nelson was still available in August. Okay. You know, Steven Nelson, you know, wasn't that great of a corner in Pittsburgh. He had a, a good year in Kansas City one year, and that's, you know, kind of where he got the name. There's still nobody really solid outside the opposite of Slay. And, and, and we don't know the status of Rodney McLeod. Yeah, I believe McLeod's coming back mid-season, I believe, because he has you know, and, and that's a shame. Defense. That's a shame. That's going to hurt the defense. Exactly. But with Steven Nelson, I feel like he could be a good, you know, a good complimentary number two besides Slay or maybe a good – I hope so. At times. I mean, he made some pretty decent plays in Pittsburgh that I like. So he could definitely emulate that with us. It just – Well, about- yeah, so he finished 19th on, on PFF's man-to-man coverage, but he finished um, 109th in zone. Mm. So it depends on what are we going to run. Who knows what Jonathan Gannon's going to run? They were so vanilla in the preseason that they didn't show anything on tape. We didn't see anything from this defense. They were in, in base defense every game. They, right. they didn't show any, any different formations or any disguises or any blitzes or anything like that. So who knows what it's going to look like? I'm, I'm actually really excited to see what they're going to do with Kerrigan. I think Kerrigan could actually be like a Chris Long kind of figure. Mm-hmm. Um. You know, I, I'm 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 excited to see what the defense could do. I just don't have my hopes up to where I'm like, oh yeah, you know what? This is going to be a solid team on defense. Now the defensive line is going to be. I mean, I think it's one of the best defensive lines in football. Josh Sweat is an animal. Barnett is you know coming up to the point where it's prove it or move it. You got Fletch. You got Javon Hargrave who. Mm. Don't sleep on yeah, Hargrave this year. He might have one of the best years out of all defense tackles in the league. Mm, yeah, um, and BG is is BG. Facts. And I also mm. and and while we're talking about defensive corners, we retain this one guy who led 180. Like he got 180 yards rained on him by the Dallas Cowboys. <laughs> I can't. Michael, J. I can't. I don't even want to go here. I don't want to go here. <laughs> What the heck are we thinking about bringing this guy back? Like, do you like? It, are we so desperate? Are we so thin at corner that we probably need him to come up one season? I mean, come up one game just in case somebody gets hurt. Like, are we? But I don't understand. I mean, listen. Here's the mind-boggling thing: is that, is that, you know, and I, I don't know if you guys saw this. Tony Romo did an interview for one of the Eagles. Uh, radio stations up in Philadelphia. I don't know which one it was. Mm. Um, and, you know, he was talking about how good this team's going to be and how great decisions, you know, that Howie Roseman makes. What kind of decision is bringing Michael Jaquette back? That, that, that offers nothing to the team. The kid literally gave up the Hail Mary pass in the, the, season, in the preseason finale. That was his fault. He pushed it into the kid's arms. That's why it was a tied game. <laughs> it's like what so, are you, what are you actually looking at when you watch these players? I don't know. I don't know. I, I look at somebody who's not talented. I don't think he could turn his hips. I I just don't see anything with them. 
I mean, I understand we're retaining Craig James, which I kind of saw flashes of him being. I like Craig James. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty solid. I like Craig James. But Jaquette, that's something I don't I don't understand. Like, Sal, what's your thoughts on, on Jaquette? Mm. Shouldn't be on the team right now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just I'm just getting flat. I was just sitting here thinking. I, I pulled up on my phone. I'm just thinking back on uh that season. The season was awesome on our team just keeping cornerbacks just that shouldn't be there for too long it's like i, I just know you know there's been a lot of games watching the eagles where our cornerbacks just kind of loses the game sometimes it's just just dumbfounding that that's just something that we keep finding ourselves in a cycle of just like keeping people here who shouldn't be here sometimes it's just uh, i mean I he know. lost us the arizona game last year Literally, yeah. oh god, Ugh. you know, he gave up what I, I think it was like uh two touchdowns to DeAndre Hopkins and like 156 yards. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, most, people, most people would say it's because of oh, it's D Hop, but it was some of the places. No, was, I mean, come on, still though, yeah. Okay. <laughs> At this point, Howie just has like a little he, he, he likes having you know a cornerback to give up yards, it's just something he likes to do. Just <laughs> Sal, you know, you Sal, you, you, you bring up a good point there though. I think how he gets this fixation on certain players and he gets hooked on these certain players and it's like he can't get over it. It's the it's the Donald Pumphrey story. It's the it's the you know the story of not wanting to let go. The Casey Matthews story when Chip Kelly was the head coach. You know, it, it was just the crazy fit like he has these connections where he thinks he sees something in these players. And this guy is not a scout, okay? Let's, let's be real. Howie Roseman oh. is an analytic salary cap type of GM. Mm-hmm. He doesn't know football. He didn't play know. football. <laughs> like he's literally just all numbers. And while we're talking about the practice squad, I do want to ask something else for y'all too because I might be lost on this. I'm not even going to lie to you. Jacoby Stevens. That was one guy that I was particularly high on coming out of LSU. You're talking about somebody that could run safety, could, could go down low and play linebacker. He's a dual-threat defender. So I'm just wondering, did he have a terrible camp or what happened to him? I was Okay, so from the reports that I have gotten here is that he got hurt early in camp, didn't show much when he came back, got hurt again. Um, it was just – it was room to – they had to cut him to make room for the D-line – they knew he was going to clear waivers. Um, you know, again, keeping 10 defense alignment, keeping 10 offense alignment, that's a lot of space right there. That's 20 players on your roster. So I think it came down to a numbers game. Again, you wasted a six-round pick. If you really didn't like the kid, you weren't going to bring him back on the practice squad. I think there is – I've watched him at LSU, and like you said, He's kind of like that hybrid linebacker safety type where you could put him at safety and play him in the box on rundowns. Mm-hmm. So I, I was kind of upset with that cut as well. I think that was somebody that should have been kept on the team. Yeah, but you already know what the Eagles is. Well, I'm not praying anything bad, but you already know somebody from defense is going to go down. I feel like it's religious every single year. I so. say that's a guarantee. But you want to know something, man? I have for some reason I have I have faith in this coaching staff. For some reason, I know they haven't, I know they're not big names, and I know they haven't coached any games. I just see something in Sirianni, I see something in Shane Steichen, and I see something in Jonathan Gannon where it's 
you know, I think they're actually going to put together a really good game plan every week. And I mean, look at the, look at LeBron Clark. Okay. Which I don't know how you cut that guy. I mean, that's somebody who should have been on the 53, no matter what he had multiple offers to go be on a 53 man roster. And yet he comes back to Philly to the practice squad just because he wants to stay with coach Statlin. You know, it, it shows the kind of coaching staff that we have in place right now. If it was Doug Peterson's staff, that dude's out of here. <laughs> you know, he's not coming back and, and staying. He, he could have went and gotten on a, a 53-man roster. He decided to stay on the practice squad. So, you know, I, I really I, I really think there's this, this coaching staff is, is going to be uh, – I think a lot of people are underestimating them. And that's, it's a youth thing. They're, they're very youthful on the, you know, all sides of the ball. I think I'm older than the special teams coordinator, which is kind of scary. (laughs) (laughs) That's just the youthful energy that, that players like about Sirianni. Yes. Like we'll talk about in the first podcast, he was walking around in 2017 Eagles gear. He was wearing a Chris Long shirt. Like he's embracing the Mm -hmm. community wholeheartedly. So he's already... Like he's already hip to what's going on, so yeah, yep. I'm expecting big things, and this dives into my other point. I've been hearing the talks, I've been hearing the chatters. People are really down us as a team, especially Jalen Hurts. I was looking at an NFC East roundtable discussion, and they rated Jalen Hurts as the worst quarterback in the division. No, no physically possible way. I mean, you can't, you can't even do that. I mean. There, there is, there is a, there's not enough tape on Jalen Hurts for you to, to even do that. I mean, the only way you could say that is that there is not enough tape. That's why he's the worst quarterback in the division. Mm-hmm. But again, you're talking about Daniel Jones being the division. You're talking about Ryan Fitzpatrick being this division. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know that yes, Dak Prescott is the best quarterback in the division. I hate to say it, but Daniel Jones is it. It has shown me nothing. You, Fitzpatrick is good for three or four games, and then it's a turnover machine. So for them to rate Jalen, it just has to be that there's not enough, there's not enough film on him, or you're just you're doubting the kids. I, I think ironically too, I don't know if it's just me, but most of the people too who are doubting Jalen Hurts out here. I feel like are the same like analysts and people who were jumping on that Prescott train so early. Like early on when Dak first came in and was getting his, you know, his little replacement for Romo. I agree. All these people were jumping on the Dak train. You have Jalen Hurts come out and all of a sudden, not even have, like you said, not even that much film to watch on him. And all of a sudden, Jalen Hurts is not NFL ready. Like, I think it's very early criticism. I think it's – I'm hoping Jalen Hurts proves him wrong. Like I said in the first podcast, I I don't, I'm don't. i still unsure on him, but I, I, see the, I see the potential in Jalen. I think it's kind of unfair to Jalen to like automatically jump out and be like worst quarterback in the division. Uh, you know he's going to lead the team to two or three wins this season. Just kind of like disrespectful too. Just like I said, I think most of these people too are the same people who were jumping on the DAP train or who you know came out and were like, all right, Daniel Jones has potential, and like they're the same people who are, are like they're like, oh, Fitzpatrick can lead the football team to you know a, a decent playoff run or something. They're the same people saying that, but they look at Jalen Hurts and they say. Jalen Hurts isn't the guy. He can't do anything with the Eagles. He's gonna go two or he's gonna go two wins, three wins, and that's just like really like putting it down and selling it short as a team too. That's Listen, if, you look, if you look at the Eagles' schedule, there is five wins at least 
five wins guaranteed on that schedule. So there, there's no way they're going to, you know, for Colin Coward to say they're going to go three and 15, that's absolutely ridiculous. We're playing the Lions, who, who are absolute trash fire. Um, you know, we play the Giants two times a year, which when's the last time the Giants beat us? What, seven years ago? Um, it's been a long time, you know, actually. I mean, I mean, come on, man. That 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 is just ridiculous to even say. There's no way this team doesn't win at the bottom. I could see the worst case scenario, six wins. Right. And that just goes to show the national media just does not pay attention to us. I mean, it's like they were regurgitating the same thing. Like Shannon Sharp, he keeps saying the team is in disarray where we have controversy. How do we have controversy? How do, how do you say that, though? Like, they don't pay attention to us. Honestly, I think it's just a storyline that the media likes to carry that, you know, the Eagles are always. Because it's cool. Yeah, exactly. It's like something has to be wrong. It just. I think at this point it's kind of just the fun they like to get out watching the fans get mad with, when they say something for us to get a reaction because they always come out with the wildest storylines for no reason just to stare something up. Like, you know, even back when Carson was on the team and he didn't have issues, they were already being like, Carson's an issue. I mean, did he eventually become an issue? Yeah, but, I mean, they, they're they constantly, like, trying to wave a red flag for us when there's nothing there. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, but listen, listen, I, I, I think Carson – I, 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 I do think Carson might have been an issue, and I'm going to leave oh. it at that. Yeah. I I could see that there's. I don't think Carson's going to be in the league much longer. Let's just. Oh. That's my opinion. Oh no! Yeah, definitely it's an issue. But I'm talking about like in our Super Bowl run when we had when he was still you know when he first started. Oh, out, we had people who were still playing like Carson's not going to lead him anywhere. Carson, and like they were making stories out of nothing on the is that even on the Super Bowl team they were making stories out of nothing that something's going to break or something's going to happen or. Something was going wrong. Yeah. I mean, nothing was going wrong. I mean, the team won the Super Bowl that year. And, like, I feel like it's just a constant, I guess, theme with the Eagles is every year something's wrong with us. Something's going to go bad. Like, in the national spotlight, they always have the low lights for us. They have just something out for us. Sometimes. Hey, think about, think about this. The year we won the Super Bowl, the next season, we were one drop, Alshon Jeffrey drop away from going back. Mm-hmm. And I can't get that drop out of my head. We we would have been back in the Super Bowl. <laughs> we were really so close. And and now in the landscape of the media, now there's no reason in the world that the biggest Cowboys tip rider, Skip Bayless, is the biggest Jalen Hurst supporter in the whole national media. There's no reason. He's an Oklahoma guy. Well, yeah, that's all. Yeah. Cool. But then yeah. again, it's like. A lot of these football analysts, like, you would expect that they would give better commentary. I mean, they played the game. You know, they wore the pads. They went through the grind. There's no reason that they should be doubting Jalen like that, knowing how the quarterback has to adjust in the league. But I think that's – but, Wilson, this is one of the conversations we had. I think that's why the national media is losing its viewership. I think that's why more people are going towards podcasts because you're getting – you know, you're getting our thoughts, you know, off of this podcast from three people who are true fans of the team and no football. And we're going to give you our opinions and it's not going to be, you know, yeah, we might be a little biased because it's our team, but mm-hmm. we're all, we also know football and yeah. we're going to spit it the way it is. If we suck. Yeah. We're going to tell you we suck, but don't, don't start off with, it's not even week one yet, and we're gonna go three and fifteen. Come on, man that that's ridiculous. Exactly. That's ridiculous. It just all create stories, and the thing about podcasting from actual Eagles fans, we keep up with the team. 
Those yep, guys exactly. and Carlos and ESPN, they probably watch the Eagles during national scheduling. That's the dude. They watch them. <laughs> they're getting they're getting a, a they're getting a script in the morning that says, "Hey, Eagles suck." Uh, you know, they <laughs> lost 35-0. Whatever you guys want to say, just come up with some shit. Pretty much. <laughs> yep. It's a shame because we really – to- I wanted to bring something up. I was going to – I completely just forgot about it. Keep going. Keep going. Sorry, Wilson. I forgot. I didn't mean to cut you off there. Oh, no. Don't even worry about it. It's fine. Yeah, it's just, it's just something that we've been repeating. ESPN just going down here. Hill, nobody's keeping up with the actual sports teams. But this year the narrative is going to be rewritten. I mean, people already expect – Washington, the Giants to finish above us. I literally said, and like I repeated in the first podcast, we're easily an eight, nine win team. I think, no I think, problem. I think worst case scenario, we're a eight win team. I think best case scenario, we're an 11 win team. Facts. Facts. I think we're between eight and 11. Yeah. And which brings me up to week one against Atlanta. It's a Can't lot of anticipation going to it. Is oof. What are y'all? What are y'all most excited for watching that game? Go ahead, Sal. For me, I'm just excited to see the offense finally go full strength out there. Like you know, we didn't. We still haven't seen it full strength. I I believe like y'all been going out. And, like I believe this offense is gonna be dangerous. It's gonna be crazy to watch. I'm just finally ready to see them all work together. Yes. Like, we have not seen them together yet. I'm ready to see them. And then like I told Wilson in the first podcast, they're going against the Atlanta defense too. This should be fun. Like, that's what I'm ready to see. I'm just ready to see them out there swing the ball, get some runs and everything. You know, it's just going to be – it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun to watch them finally out there. That's what I'm ready for. Just mm-hmm. ready to see, yep. you know, Jalen, down Devontae. <laughs> I, it's guaranteed. I, I, I can't wait to see – I can't wait to see the the new offensive scheme. Um, I, I was so tired of the same vanilla offense for the last three years. Um, you know, I, I'm just so excited that there's a new offensive coach, a new offensive coordinator, and this whole offense is going to be rejuvenated. It's going to be all new plays. It's going to be a completely different offense. And that just, that, that alone gets me excited. I'm excited to see if Jalen Hurts is the real deal or not. Um, I think you're going to find that out very early. Um, I'm excited to see what kind of coach Sirianni is when it comes to fourth and ones. Is he an aggressive coach? Is he going to be somebody who's going to punt the ball? You know, is he going to be like Doug Peterson where, hey, you know, we're relying more on analytics to say, yeah, let's go for it here on fourth and one. Or is he going to be more of a traditional coach and be like, yo, punt team, get on the field, let's go. Um, I'm excited to see. Anthony Harris play. I think Anthony Harris is one of the best additions of the entire offseason. I think that guy's the real deal, real deal at safety. I think he's going to be a Malcolm Jenkins type of player where for the next five, six years, he's going to have a, a really good stint in Philadelphia. Um, I'm excited to see Darius Slay to get back to where he was. Um, and, and again, I, I want to see this team on offense just with a solid offensive line. I want to see them run the football. I can't wait to see Miles Sanders get more touches. He's definitely going to get more touches in his offense. I can't wait to see Gainwell out of the backfield, you know, catching the ball. Mm. There's a lot of things I'm excited for for week one. Literally. And I'm most definitely excited to see Jalen Hurts shut up the haters because you already know yes. through training camp, he dealt with the Watson trade allegations. 
you he dealt with not being in QB one. People talk about it. Stupid. Stupid. I already know in the back of his mind he's ready to piss some people off. And like you oh, said, yeah. rent camp. Rent's pay. I mean, there's rent due, and I gotta pay it every day. People yep. say people say I have a chip on my shoulder. I have boulders. Yep. He's definitely gonna go out and prove some to these guys, man. And this kid's a competitor, man. I love the fire he has, and, and I think that's the one thing that, that Wentz was lacking. He was just handed everything to him on a silver platter. You know, oh, you're you're the best. You know, oh, Carson, you know, he went to a small school where, you know, you weren't playing great competition, and then, you know, he had 2016, 2017, and then the whole Foles things happened, and, it, you know, all of a sudden, oh, Carson, you know, he may not be the best anymore, and that's the downfall of Carson Wentz. And now I think Jalen Hurts doesn't have that in him. I think Jalen Hurts has been through so much controversy and still has bounced back and shown that he could be a, a true football player. I mean, getting taken out at halftime of the national championship game and staying an extra year and being the backup to Tua to help the program and then transferring to Oklahoma – you know, I think that was that shows what kind of character Jalen Hurts has. Right. I think he's a natural born leader. Especially, well, I've seen a lot of those Oklahoma games with Jalen Hurts, and he led that team. He, he showed that, you know, he has that in him. Definitely. That's something that's never been doubted. I mean, God, yep. the college football playoffs. I mean, his, and then even in that game, the college football playoffs loss, that was not his loss. That Oklahoma team just, it was a bad matchup with that, that you know, I believe it was LSU. Yeah, the, the defense didn't play well. The defense didn't play well. The, the offense didn't really show up for him. Yeah, I mean, so yeah. So even then, it wasn't even like on him. Jalen Hurts not no. going to lose the game for him. So, you know. And another big thing about Jalen Hurts, which I'm one of the reasons why I'm extremely rooting for him. H Town born and raised, baby. Got to represent. <laughs> Got to represent. It is something now, I gotta, I, I, I gotta let you guys know. You know, the best football players come from Florida, not Texas. You guys know that, right? I don't know. I don't know about that. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. And, and uh, I mean, people listening. I don't know how how many people listening from this podcast right now, but you're gonna have those California people jump in too. Which I think we both agree that's not the right answer, though. At least. <laughs> hey, man. No. You better come down here and check some 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 of these football players out, man. I mean, listen, the U was let's put it like this: in the '90s, was the U the most like the U was pretty much Bama, right? Every, they had the most draft picks in the first round, all the way up to like 2006, 2007. You know, from the '90s to 2007, they were leading the league in, in first round picks. You know, and most of them are Florida boys, right? So. I, you know, I, it, it was just me joshing around, but uh, I, I, I really do think that uh, I really do think Devontae, uh, not Devontae Smith. I think Devontae Smith is going to have a great year as well. But I, I really do think Jalen Hurts, man. I think he has a lot to prove. And when you have that fire in your heart and in your gut, you're going to go out there and show the world. You know, and right. I think that's what this kid's going to do. So, with that being said, predict Jalen Hurts' stat line for this Atlanta game. Statline. That's hard. Yeah. Uh, um, are, okay. Are we now? Okay. Are we taking it as now? I've always said this, and you guys can disagree with me. You know, everybody has opinions. 
I always said that football does not start until November, December. That's when real football starts. Right. Do you believe Sirianni is going to open the offense up fully on, on week one? No, I think he's going to ease into it, especially being that, like, a lot of these players haven't really got that many. I mean, Jalen Hurts did not get that many throws in preseason, so. Yeah, I think do you think he really wants to put that much on tape? It'll just nah, that too. Yeah. So, I, I mean, so I would go I would go 21 of 32 for 268 yards and two touchdowns. I was thinking and about, maybe a rushing touchdown. Yeah, I was thinking about the same, about 260 yards, two touchdowns. I would say 40 or 50 rushing yards because, you know, Jalen yep. those legs go. And they're going to run a lot of play action, too. So when the play breaks down. A lot of RPO, man. Exactly. Yep. So I can see, see Jalen having two rushing touchdowns as well. You got to remember something. This Atlanta defense has not improved at all. No. <laughs> no. So – I, I could I could see the Eagles walking all over them, you know, especially offensively. But you but again, this also leads back to the conversation, Wilson, where you you have to get Miles Sanders. My, uh, sorry, excuse me. Nice. You have to get Miles Sanders the ball this this year. Okay, he needs to have at least twenty to twenty five catches or twenty to twenty five touches every single game this year. Right, because it's a prove it year for Sanders. Especially in the RPO offense, you got to get yep. game going. Yep. Mm-hmm. That was one big gripe about Miles Sanders last year, but he definitely showed flashes of being a big time running back. But I like can see, goes. I can easily, I can easily see Sanders going over a thousand yards this year with at least four to five hundred receiving yards. Right, and that's why I got him on my fantasy team. Yeah, I, <laughs> me too. <laughs> You good? Okay, okay, good, good. We're going to yeah, yeah. the episode too because there's a lot I want to say about that too, most definitely. So what? Say it again. Oh, I definitely want to have a fantasy league episode too because I definitely. Oh yeah, we gotta say do about it. That. Yeah, yeah, we gotta do it. Yeah, and I already know you're part of it too. So. Oh yeah, I'm down. I'm down, man. I'm down. <laughs> and right now it's 11:51. It's well over 50 minutes past the hour. And Sal, did Certified Lover Boy drop? It already dropped over here. <laughs> yeah, it's out. It's out. Okay, we definitely got to listen to that. So that moves on to the last segment of the show. And it's something I want to introduce. And it's called Start, Bench, and Cut. And it's obviously the Eagles edition. So we'll talk about DBs right now. Our choices are Asante Samuel, Eric Allen, or Malcolm Jenkins. Start, Bench, or Cut. I'll start with y'all first. Go ahead. Go ahead, Sal. For me... I thought this one out before, you know, I thought we were before uh, we moved to today. So uh, for me, I thought the start would be Eric Allen. I would bench Malcolm Jenkins and then cut Asante Samuel. No. I just went more. Interception, the the oh. guy who has the most interceptions in Eagle history, you're cutting him? Just, <laughs> That's going to break a lot of hearts. I ain't going to lie, because that's, it's a tough list. I'm it not is tough. It, it is, is tough. tough it's just, I looked at Aaron Allen, and I was like, I, I liked Aaron Allen. And then Malcolm Jenkins, I gave Malcolm Jenkins a little bit of a, of a you know, a little bit of a um, more recent bias. And I was like, all right, Malcolm Jenkins. I was like, you know, Super Bowl run and everything. I was like, give you a little bit. A little, 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 I'll give you a little bit of leeway for you. And then I just <laughs> – it came down to all right, Sam. I'm sorry, but you're you're. It wasn't it wasn't something where I was like, all right, Sam, you're gone. No, I was like, 
All right, Sam, I'm sorry, but, you know. <laughs> my heart, man, my freaking heart. Uh, <laughs> Go ahead, Wilson. So, for start bench cut, I say start Asante Samuel because I've – Wow. That's, wow. That's one, the, that's one of the corners I grew up watching. Like, that was Over my – Over Eric Allen. Yeah. Wow. I have to. Okay. I have to because that's okay. EA, EA is late 80s, early 90s. You so can you make know. that argument. But listen, you can make that argument. And that's why I, when I texted you, you when you sent me over the topics for this week, mm. I said this is going to be the hardest thing to do because yeah. I already know I already know Malcolm <laughs> Jenkins is getting cut. But I mean <sighs> Asante, man, he was one of the greatest pickoff artists in the NFL. Bro, the playmaker. There's a reason why I got that nickname. The four yep. eight years. He, he's yep. a monster, bro. I there's somebody I can't bench. And yeah. In the benching and cutting part, that's the hardest part for me too because I love Malcolm Jenkins to death. He was one me of the too. best leaders yep. that we had on Philly. So yep. it, I got my bench. <laughs> I gave him some bias. I really yeah. No, I mean I'm listen. I'm cutting Malcolm right away. Uh, he, you know, I, I appreciate everything he did in Philadelphia, but uh, I, oh, you know, when it comes to the Sante Samuel and Eric Allen, you're talking about two people that are game changing corners. Uh, I would have to start Eric Allen just because I believe Asante. You know, if he bit on a play, it was going to end up being a big play, and you know, he got away with a lot of things when it came to interceptions and jumping routes. But Eric Allen, man, you didn't want to go up against that guy. That dude was a lockdown corner. I would start at EA and I would I would bench Asante and have Asante coming off the uh, the bench. Mm, you really can't go wrong with either one because they were yeah either either way <laughs> yeah. So so it's- Sal, you're the odd man out, brother. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> It's like when you we said cut Asante, I just felt a lot like a part of my childhood just ugh, like, yeah, it broke off. Right? Oh, God. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I said I was just I just had the recent bias. I was like, you know, Malcolm Jenkins, no Super Bowl. <laughs> so wait, like, wait, wait, right. sorry. wait, Sal, who'd you say you're starting? Are you starting Malcolm? No, I'm starting Allen. I'm starting Allen. No, no. Oh, okay, okay. No, no, yeah, no. Yeah, Malcolm okay. Just, sit the bench. just because he wants your boy, I was like, all right, Malcolm, sit the bench. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want yeah. you to sit the bench, but but <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Like, I'm not gonna lie. Though. I might, you know, I might cut Malcolm. Malcolm might be the only man that's like an obvious cut because, like you said, Eric Allen, he was first team all, all pro, one of the best corners in Eagles history. Like, it's something about that you can't casually say, "Oh, he's out of there." He is the Eagle corner. I mean, when you think of Eagles corners, the first name that comes to my mind is Eric Allen and Asante Samuel. Right. I mean, Sheldon Brown and Little Shepherd, obviously, yes, as well. But you know. Eric Allen is Eagles cornerback to me. <laughs> and one day, this is actually kind of funny because I'm gonna I'm gonna do a worse DBs. Like I'm gonna put a, a Ronald Darby. I'm gonna put uh, <laughs> a Naughty Awesome on his. Naughty Awesome I'm I'm gonna ruffle some feathers. I, I have to. But and yeah, oh, we gotta save that for another edition though. That would be a great. We, we should do the worst free agent signings to start bench cut. <laughs> oh God. Oh. <laughs> Please don't put Vince Young in there, man. I got sentimental ties. I can't even do it. You and I can't even do it. Nah, bro. <laughs> it's going to be three. Is all three of those players going to be from the Dream Team? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Are you, 
Yeah, because we, that one year we got all those free agent pickups. Uh, God. Uh, yeah. Awesome. Remember Jason Babin? <laughs> oh, God. Oh. <laughs> Jason Babin, man. I remember that I forgot I had, bro. Oh, dude. I mean, yeah, the, the dream team was the uh, – that was the biggest joke. Once he said that, I knew I had some sick feeling in my stomach. It was going to end up horrible. Was a dream team, a horrible dream, nightmare. <laughs> yeah, it was a nightmare team. It was a nightmare <laughs> team. Man, no disrespect to Vince Young, I love him to death, but as soon as people put stock of what a backup quarterback said about this team, I already knew it was going to go down. Exactly. Exactly. Oh, a kid who arrived one week later and caught him. He arrived for a week and said, "Yeah, this is a dream team." <laughs> <laughs> it was insane, bro. It was insane, but we're definitely gonna save that for another segment. And yep. oh, I almost forgot to plug this in in the beginning. There you go. Yep. Unfiltered media. We got new merch. We got new merch. Oh, uh, look at the fire Thanks. shirt, bro. I need one of those. Got to the back. Oh yeah, I'm definitely gotta send you one. I definitely. Yeah, got I need one of those. I need one of those. I gotta cop it. Oh yeah, got to. So fire, looking fire, bro. So when y'all catch the vision, uh-huh. make sure to catch in, get your shirts and everything. I dropped off most of the shirts the other day to everybody in Houston. So pretty much everybody should have theirs by now. But if you want to cop some new merch, being part of the Unfiltered Media Gang, tap in with me, tap in with Sal. We'll get you covered. I said, just I got to get the extra large then. <laughs> I'm going to get you the extra large. Sure. I got the two, two X for me. Two X for me. Right? Two X. I'm going to write that down right now. <laughs> Definitely. So right now it's almost 12 o'clock. We are. Yep. This is. Recording a podcast past 11 o'clock should be Olympic sport. Oh, yeah. man. Because right now it's 11 o'clock over here. Gary, it's probably. It's next. one o'clock. I'm out of it. See, I was talking to Sal about this. I did this one other time. I was not that after. I forgot to edit. So it was. Dude, I can't listen. I can't wait to hit my bed and go to sleep. (laughs) (laughs) See, I already know. Gary did really good right now. This is Gary at one o'clock. Then Gary at prime time. He's gonna gonna even more on. Catch me at four o'clock in the afternoon. I won't shut up. (laughs) (laughs) So. So this is the second episode of the Eagle Nest podcast. Sal, our first ever guest, Gary, and I'm ba- and I'm pretty sure after tonight, this won't be your last time showing up because I hey, I, listen again. I, I really just want to thank you guys so much for having me on, man, Wilson. It's been a pleasure to getting to know you the last couple of days, mm-hmm. Sal. Tonight it's been really fun. Um, this whole thing was a great experience, and I, I believe in everything you guys are doing. Um, and I look forward to, you know, going down the line with you guys. I really do. All right. I appreciate that a lot. I really appreciate yeah. it. Thank you. Okay, for I, you brought a lot to this podcast. <laughs> Thanks, Sal. Thanks, Sal. You really did. Thank you for your expertise, yeah. your knowledge. And show up that Kelly Green one more time again. I need to see it. I need to see it. I, which one? What? Oh, the Kelly Green? Yeah, yeah. Got to show that. Got to show that. Yeah. So we'll give, we'll give the – let's do this. Let's do this. If we can get – if we can get 50 plays on this video, I will randomly pick one. And you got to DM either Wilson or Sal and show proof that you listen to this uh, podcast. I will personally gift this Vince Papali jersey that is signed by Vince Papali himself. Mm-hmm. And it is stitched authentic jersey, Kelly Green. And I will give it to one of the listeners. Oof. 
That'll be it. You got to follow Unfiltered Media. You got to follow Wilson. You got to follow Sal. And you got to follow me on Twitter. And uh, and send us proof that you listen to... Uh, follow us on all social platforms. Send us proof that you did it. And one of the lucky guys will pick somebody and I'll, I'll ship it out to him. Just, just name Sal's start, cut, bench list. And we know you listen. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Got to. That's the only way. So, yep. Uh, <laughs> I appreciate yep. you guys for joining. And Thank I'll you, Wilson. Catch- oh, yes, of course. And I will catch you guys next episode.